you have your Bible, um, we're going to start in John chapter 13 this morning. Um, as we are, you know, entering into this week of somebody making a lot of money uh, off of expensive flowers and chocolates and all of those things, uh, which, as Jordan has said, I would encourage all of you men that have a significant other uh, to not wait until Wednesday to do what you need to do to make sure that there's something there for them on Thursday. Is that when Valentine's Day is? Valentine's Day Thursday? I probably ought to check my calendar, huh? Beware of that. So, um, but also, it's it's an opportunity for me as we've ended, you know, by 21, and there's a couple of things that have just really been laid on my heart. One was faith. When we say, God, this is what you're going to ask us to do. We don't know what it looks like. We don't know where you want us to go. But because you're our God, we're going to trust you by faith to walk that road. And so that was one thing. And then obviously, as you enter into to, uh, this week, month, February, I'm just thinking about love. And it's interesting to me, as you would think in a generation or a society that we live in, that this would be something really pretty clear as far as the Church of the United States of America. You would think of all the things that we could figure out, you would figure love would be the simplest thing because of what Christ has done in our life. We just should be different, flat out different. But you know what's really happened? I believe that we have allowed the world to infiltrate churches and now we're allowing the world to tell us what love is and not what the Word of God tells us. Now, if you'd have told me 20 years ago that there would be such a thing called online dating, I would have laughed at you. Now, I need to be really careful. I'm not sure. I haven't looked all through this crowd. But first hour, there are a couple couples that have met online dating that are now married and members of Bible Fellowship Church. So I'm not saying that it's wrong, okay? I'm not saying that it's wrong. It's just interesting to me that I could go in and describe who I am as a person, and then people on the other side would be dumb enough that what I wrote is actually true. On my, I guess you have a profile. I don't know. I'm not doing online dating, but anyway. And people say, oh, yeah, I want to communicate with you because I'm so... Empty, I need you to fill me up. Or, you know, Facebook, you know, you watch people and, and they're all like, oh, so-and-so's doing this. I want to go check out what so-and-so's doing. Well, maybe I need to go meet so-and-so. Or the world maybe could define it by texting. Like, we don't actually know how to have a conversation anymore unless you use your thumbs. That's what I do with my phone is I, I can't do it any other way. But isn't it interesting that now we've said, you know what, we have this God that was willing to give his son for us, and so I just want to get to know you, I'll send you a message. And then it's also defined as you think about the society that we live in, love is convenient. Well, if I don't like you this week, I'll just, you know, find me another friend. Or I'll go on, recreate my profile because it didn't really work well the first time, so maybe the second time this will work really, really well. Sat in the living room of a home in Indiana of a man that has lost his father. So I didn't know all the scenarios, so I'm just sitting there talking. So he said, yep, I got married again. I said, really? He said, yep, third time's the charm. I'm thinking, hmm, you haven't changed from the first and second marriage. This third one's not going to work out a whole lot better, I'm pretty sure. Because I'm pretty sure it wasn't the other person's problem. I was pretty sure it's the guy sitting in the chair that is talking to us right now, but Obviously, I didn't say all that to him. I'm just thinking that. You know what I just figured out? I'll just swap it around. 
really what we're saying is we're living in a society where if you don't make me happy, I'm no longer want to be involved with you. If you don't meet my needs, then you don't love me. And so this morning, I just want to share with you biblically what a definition of love looks like. So as you enter into today, and some of you have significant others and some of you don't, some of you are going to get a Valentine and some of you aren't. But that does not mean that you're not loved this morning. And that does not mean that you're not valuable this morning. And my prayer for us as a family that we would not be those individuals that say, well, if I just get this, man, then I really feel valued. I really feel loved. But we would pause this morning and say, wow, look what he did for me. That was love. And that would not just filter and say, oh, wow, I've got forgiveness of my sin. Oh, I am loved today. That is fact. But will we allow that love to affect who we are sitting in the seats where we're sitting so that other people's lives are different because you love them? Because you've allowed Christ to do something inside of you looks differently. Let me just give you a scenario. I've been thinking about Daniel this week. And I know it's, you know, it's not your typical scenario when you think about Daniel and love. But, you know, we all know Daniel and the lion's den and all that scenario. But I'm just wondering why Daniel didn't stop praying. I'm just wondering, in that society, when life got really difficult, and there's people looking to take Daniel out because of his leadership ability and because God was with him, and there's a decree that comes down, and Daniel's told, you can't pray. Okay, fine. It's not really a big, I mean, I could pray somewhere else. But what was different about Daniel on the inside saying, you know what, I'm going to lift the curtain. I don't care what you say to me. My relationship with my God is so important to me. I love him so much that I just, you know what, i got to meet with him. And I don't care what you say. And if you want to throw me in the lines, then that's fine. But I'm not giving up my time with my God. Have you ever thought about love from that perspective? That there's something inside of him that says, no way. He means too much to me to walk away. You know what's funny is? If you all, you probably have your phones on silent right now, but if you got a text message, there's something inside of you that you just have to read that text message. You can't set that little joke over there. When it goes off, it's like, hmm. Wonder who's wonder what they said. Wonder who it was. And so you gravitate to a little device that's got a screen to say, Well, I want to communicate with you. When was the last time we gravitated to the cross and say, Well, I need to communicate with you, Jesus? I haven't heard your voice in a while. I gotta have my time with you because I love you. And I know it's easy to think about love as a feeling, and that is true. It's not wrong. It's, and it, it, you get that little sensation inside of you. Oh, they're here. I'm going to go talk to them. It's so neat. But maybe grow up biblically and say, you know what? My love needs to be more like Daniel's love. Or if you have your Bible, go with me to John chapter 13. I've been thinking about Peter. Another kind of a weird scenario as you think about Scripture, but as I think about Peter, 
I'm reminded of an individual that was pretty quick to say words. And so you're going to read in John chapter 13, here are the words. And so whip that out pretty fast. And then you know, you know Peter. And so he's going to deny Christ three times. But you know what I love about God is he doesn't give up on individuals when they fail. And so when somebody has failed big, they're like, wow, can I be restored? Somebody has much forgiveness, is passionate about the one who forgave them. That's Peter. So look in John chapter 13, and uh, you look at verse um, 36. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterwards. Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't give up on the unfinished product? He sees the finished product. Jesus knew what Peter was going to say next, but he didn't say, Peter, don't talk right now. You're really going to embarrass yourself. This is not going to work out good for you, Peter, so just hold that tongue. He could have done that, but he didn't. And so you know what Peter said. Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered. Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will crow, not crow until you have denied me three times. John chapter 18, starting in verse 15. John 18, 15. Simon Peter followed Jesus. And so did another disciple, since the disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door, so the, others, so the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch by the door and brought Peter in. I mean, get this. Yeah, I'm not going to deny you. I'll lay down my life for you. Okay, great. Servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of his, this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servant and the officers made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. John chapter 18, verse 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, You also are not one of those disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. Verse 26, one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked him, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once the rooster crowed. Three times an individual had said, you know what? I'll lay down my life for you. I love you. I want to be involved where you go. Why can't I be with you? Three times that individual said, you know what, I don't ha- I- I'm just going to deny this. And then the rooster crows. And I'm sure when Peter heard that rooster crow, there was a scent of guilt, embarrassment, frustration, discouragement. Oh, yeah, that's me. Here I am. I just totally messed it up. And so now Peter's in, in this journey, and you know that Christ is going to die on the cross. And Peter's not going to have an opportunity to say, you know what, we need to reconcile our relationship. I really messed this up. I told you that I wouldn't deny you. I told you that I loved you, but now I've denied you three times. So take your Bible and go to John chapter 21. John 21. 
Jesus has been raised from the grave. You pick it up in John chapter 21, and you read um, these words in verse 15. Just Peter and Jesus. When they had finished breakfast, Peter said, or Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, here's our word again. Do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said for a second time, Simon, son of John, do you know you love, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said it to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. When you are old, you will stretch out your hand, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Hey, Peter, if you love me, that means you're going to die on a cross. Peter, I'm restoring our relationship, but I want you to know that your relationship and my relationship is going to cost you your life because you love me. Now, I don't know about you, but I, as I think about Peter, and so now, however long Peter's going to have left on this earth, he knows that he's a walking dead man. I mean, it's going to happen. Why is Peter going to, de- why is Peter going to die? He is going to die because he's not going to be willing to say, I do not love Jesus. That's why he's going to die. All he's going to have to do is say, you know what? It's, everybody knows that I love God. Everybody knows that Jesus is important. But not that's not good enough for Peter. He's going to take it one step farther. I'm going to follow you till it costs me my life. You're going to be crucified. And so as you and I live in a time and a day where I say, well, this is a feeling, it's nice. The Word of God says, hey, what? Love's going to cost you. It's not about what you're going to get. It's about what you're going to do. Every time that you think about the word love, I want you to think about the crucifixion. I want you to think about that soldier who's got a fistful of Jesus' hair and he rips it out saying, you know what? I can do this. And Jesus is standing there. Soldier spits in his face. Why? Because he's going to be disrespectful to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And why did that King of Kings and the Lord of Lords stand there? Why did he stand there? He wanted you to know this morning that he loved you. When they took the crown of thorns and they wove it all together and they placed it on his head and they shoved it down as hard as they could, he had the power to move. But he chose not to. Because he wanted to do radical life change in who we are today. And that's what I love about Peter. Peter says, oh yeah, I love you. Denies him three times. Jesus restores this relationship. You go to the book of Acts. Who's the guy that stands up? It's Peter. You're not going to talk about my Savior that way. We're not drunk. You need to repent of your sins. It's Peter. I bet he was just sitting there when this, when this discussion started and the Holy Spirit's inside of Peter. He's like, i got to say something. We ain't going to do this. This guy died on the cross for my sins. He's alive. You can't call us drunk. You can't make fun of my Savior. And here comes Peter. 
power by the Holy Spirit, the one who denied him, the one who cut off that guy's ear, the one that over time put his foot in his mouth, hey, I got a message. Because what he's done inside of me, he saved me, he restored me. He put me back in his family I've got a relationship with, and his name is Jesus, and I love him. And I'm willing to die. Now, I know what you're thinking, probably. You're thinking, this guy's just off his rocker. It's Valentine's Day. He should just tell us to come in here and love people and buy presents for somebody else. He just must have had a bad week or something. Well, I haven't had a bad week. I just want to tell you the truth. I haven't had a great week, but I haven't had a bad week. Oh, I better not think about it. Okay, go on. First Corinthians chapter 13. When you see the word love... I want you to use this passage of Scripture, and I'm not going to go through all of it. I know you know it. But I want you to use this passage of Scripture to define love. I want you to use Paul's words to a very messed up church that's arguing about tongues and prophecy and understanding mysteries and faith and being willing to give it all, you know, I'll give up everything for God. And Peter said, or Paul says, this is what's important. Love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. And it's not arrogant or rude. And it's not insistent on its own way. And it's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice in the wrong doings, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Love is patient. Patient means that you have the capacity to be wronged and not retaliate. Does that define you? Love is kind. Love is not envious not boastful, it's not arrogant. And love does not insist on its own way. Now I know, I won't speak for you, but there are times that you and I say these If you love me, you would, and you can fill in the blank. And there's a temptation for all of us sitting in this room to insist on getting our way. And that's natural. You know, I I keep thinking about Hank and Carly, and they got this new little guy named Tucker, and they don't know what they're in for. I can't wait. I hope I'm around when the first time that Tucker looks at Hank and tells him, no, I'm not doing that. That'll be interesting. And nobody will teach Tucker to say no. Nobody ever had to give you a seminar. Hey, let me show you how to want your own way. Nobody ever did that for you. What do we do? We teach you seminars on how to be a servant. Because being selfish is natural. That is not biblical love. Now, there's not one of us that's going to walk this week and not not struggle with this area. This is what I want, okay? 
Because we're all sinners. But may we not be brothers and sisters, people that say that we love Jesus, and our lives are characterized by, it's all about me. May our lives be characterized by what we saw on the cross. It was all about you. It was all about me. I'll lay it down. I don't have to be right. I don't have to get my way. You want to go eat there? Fine. I'll eat there. There's not really any good food there, but I'll go eat there. Love is not irritable. Mm. So when you do this, when you are irritable, it's not the coffee's fault. It's not that you didn't get enough sleep. It's not your spouse. It's you. You're just irritable. That's not what love is. And Jesus didn't die on a cross and forgive you of your sins so you could live a life of irritability. You're not a Jesus follower. That's not what our Savior demonstrated. He wasn't ticked off going to the cross. He said, I'll do it. It's not resentful. Love keeps no records of wrong. It's amazing. When my blood pressure goes up and when I'm angry, I'm sure none of you get angry here either, when I'm angry or mad, it's amazing how historical I can become. I can remember everything that somebody else said about me instantaneously, and I can tell you all of those things. Boom, there it is. I don't want to be that person anymore. I don't want to be the individual that keeps records of wrongs. You know what's funniest? I was laughing this morning because some of you are upset because so-and-so walked past you the other day and they looked at you a certain way and they maybe didn't speak to you. Or maybe they didn't acknowledge you. And you still remember it. And we say, well, what, what, what? You know, and you go home and start talking. Why do they, what are they doing? Why didn't they say this? What about this? It keeps no record. Maybe they were just didn't even paying attention. But you hold on to a look. You know what's so sad is? There's a lot of people sitting in buildings called church that are holding records of wrong that took 20 years ago took place. And they're still holding on to it like, well, I deserve. No, we don't. Say, hell, I'll lay it down. Is it hurt? Yeah. Is it fair? No. Is it easy to do? No. But that's biblical love, that we keep no records of wrong. Biblical love looks like this, too. I want you to see this. Um, It rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Have you ever been to a wedding when the vows, when they said to each other, okay, I'm going to believe all things, bear all things, hope all things, endure all things? I'm going to rejoice with you in the truth. Now, we make promises like till death do us part, and, da, 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 and, and those are all good, and I'm not saying that they're wrong. But it's fascinating to me is when life gets hard, we forget our vows. When our spouse starts to go through midlife crisis, they want to buy this fancy car. What's wrong with you? Well, I'm looking for value, babe, and I think that car will make me happy. Would our spouse be on their knees saying, Jesus, you're the only one that can make him happy? I don't mind if he buys the car. He's still going to be the same guy with just an expensive car or a car payment. Because I know that's not going to help him. 
but I'm here to endure, Jesus. I believe in you, and I made a commitment. This morning, you have two names in front of you. The demonstrated biblical love. Oh, in totally different scenarios and totally different time frames. But I just wonder how many Daniels are sitting in the room today. How many of us are saying, you know what? I don't care what the world says to me. I don't, I'm not buying into the lies. Daniel was a young whippersnapper that got ripped out of his home, put in a foreign culture, said, hey, enjoy all this. But there was something inside of Daniel that said, you know what? My God didn't offer me those things. And my God says, hey, I don't, I don't want you to be involved in that, Daniel. And there's something inside of Daniel that says, you know what? I'm going to keep on praying even if it hurts. And if they want to throw me in the lines, then fine. But my relationship with my God is so important to me that I'm not backing down. And I wonder how many people are sitting in here this morning that their lives are kind of like Peter. There's been times in your life where you've walked on water. There's been times in your life that you stumbled and failed. There's been times in your life you've cut off other people's ears with your words. But he's not done with you yet. And he wants to restore a relationship with you. He doesn't have a, a frown on his face. He's not giving you that look that you got all those years in your home. He's saying, come home. I love you. I want to restore my relationship with you. I want to make you whole. That's what he did in Peter's life. And my prayer as you enter into this time frame of life, in this season in February, that you would know of God's love for you deep down inside. But it wouldn't just be information you know in your head. The information that your life is different, the way Daniel's life was different, and your life would be different the way Peter's life would be different because of their relationship with their God. And because they received the love that their God offered to them, and their lives were different. Receive it today. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to gather around the scriptures today and, and for this, uh, this Sunday morning and for your word. Thank you for your word, Father. And so I pray that there will be individuals. I don't know I don't know all y'all. I don't know what's going on in your life, and it's okay. I don't need to know. But my Savior wants to offer you today to those who you need it, restoration. Or you stumbled and fall and say, wow, come home. I know that our, my Savior would also say to us, If you love me, follow me. Stop telling Jesus what to do. Stop being the boss. Stop being in control. Surrender and follow him. So I pray, Father, as we sit here today, we wouldn't think about three other people or four other scenarios. We just think about our relationship with you, Father. And we our heart would be filled with gratitude that you were willing to give up your son for us. May we receive that love.
Father, I ask through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would help us demonstrate the love that we receive. The people know we're different because of our love for you and our love for them. Help us to love the broken people in our community well so that we can introduce them to our Savior, whose name is Jesus. Thank you for the word. Thank you for meeting with us today, Father. Now send us out into a broken community, empowered by you, because we've been loved by you, that we would love others well. In your name I pray, amen. God bless you. Have a great day.